On today's show, we talk about how to tell your kids about school shootings and other tragedies. We have a follow-up call with a woman who had a hard conversation with her in-laws about COVID and boundaries. And we talk to a woman about how to tell her daughter that her husband's lost his faith. Stay tuned. What up, what up, what up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. Man, I'm so glad you're with us. Hope you're doing well. Hope your New Year's off to a great start. Hope you are keeping all of your, uh, what do you call them, resolutions? I was gonna say traditions, but that's not a thing. Hope you keep your resolutions. If you don't make them, you're like, oh, I'm too cool for resolutions. Well, cool, make some. It's not too late. Otherwise, I hope you're doing well, man. Hope you're doing well. Kelly, James, y'all doing well? It's good to see the whole band back together. Good That's to be right. back. Y'all have been off taking care of your families and vacationing and all those things. Like Mo- I said, it's good to be back. Moving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man, that means a lot. It makes my heart feel good, Kelly. Because <laughs> after we spend a lot of time together, most people are like, that's enough Deloney for all of us for a while. So it makes me makes me happy that you're glad to be back. Well, I get paid to be here. Yeah, see, you had to go ruin it. We were having a moment, and there it went. There it went. All right, let's <laughs> Let's go to Detroit Rock City. Let's just change the show here. Let's go to Detroit Rock City. Talk to Seth. What's up, brother Seth? How we doing? Hey, good, man. Thanks for having me on. You got it, dude. What's up? Um, hey, well, hold on. You got how, so, you have kids? Uh, yeah, four of them. How old are they? Nine. I didn't hear the whole conversation, though, so I, I'm not sure I can weigh in. But we've got did, a nine-year-old, your nine-year-old, five-year-old, know, two-year-old, no, and one-year-old. Does your nine-year-old know about uh, Santa Claus? She knows the truth, I should say, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well done. That's all I'm saying. All right, dude, so what's up, man? All right, well, um, my family and I live about 20 minutes from this whole, this whole Oxford situation that's been going on. Oh, man, yep. Um, so I guess, you know, out of respect, like we don't have any kids that go to Oxford. We don't have really intimate friends or family that go there, but, um, I can't, it's unimaginable what they're going through. Yeah. Um, but we're sitting 20 minutes away with schools that have been on lockdown and threats everywhere. And, and two of our kids having, um, two of our kids being school age, and we're just trying to figure out how do we talk to them about what's going on uh, appropriately. Good call, man. So for those who haven't paid attention or just, you know, it's, it's this show will air a month or two later. Um, Oxford shooting where the young man went into the high school. Um, I guess he got his dad's gun and opened fire and um, killed some young kids, some teenagers. And it's, the whole thing's been a mess. Injured a bunch of people and it's been a mess. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we often think about that tragedy there, that those tragedies have an, are, you know, have an epicenter, obviously, but they, they ricochet through our families and through everything. And here you are, a parent of four young ones asking, are we going to, is it okay to go to school, right? Right. So you're 20 minutes away. Walk us through. Like you get the first call and the second call. And then if you're like most of us, I need to put my eyes on my kids right now. Like walk us through what you experienced. Yeah. So, um, I, I own a physical therapy practice. So I was with patients most of the day and I kind of missed most of what was happening. Um, but I, I got some messages from my wife kind of towards the end of the day. And, um, it was mostly just secondhand. I, I don't think we really knew the extent of what was going on until I got home. Yeah. Um, and our kids, fortunately, well, not fortunately, they were sick, so they weren't in school uh, that particular day. Yeah. Um, I should say one was at home, one was at school. And, um, we just kind of were in shock, I guess. We didn't really talk about it much that evening because yeah. um, we didn't really know what to say. And my wife and I just were trying to sort through the details and understand it ourselves, I guess. Man. So have your kids asked questions? Um, yeah. And I guess that's part of my question too, right? Is they haven't asked a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not really sure how far to dig um, for their emotions and their feelings. Um, and, um, they, you know, our, our son is in transitional kindergarten. Okay. He's, he was a five-year-old and they went into lockdown as soon as this thing happened. Yeah. And he came home just saying kind of, you know, Hey, I was really brave today. And 
you know, we did this thing and he described it like it was no big deal. Yeah. Um, and our daughter, on the other hand, uh, going back into fourth grade the day after, I think, you know, she heard a lot of stuff from a lot of different opinions kind of all over the school. So they haven't asked a lot of details about what happened. Yeah. Um, but we're just, and and we've had conversations with them already, honestly. Um, and you're honestly, your show has been helpful in that way. I appreciate that. Uh, But I, I just don't know. Um, I guess I'm worried about how much they will internalize this thing because when we look at the the behavior over the past week or so here, um, you know, they're both back in our bed every single night. There's just a lot of like, there's a lot of stuff that tells us that everyone's amped up right now. There you go. Even though no one's seeing it. There you go. Does that make sense? Yep. 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 And I I want to make sure we honor that. And I don't really know how, I don't really know how to go about that. Dude, your kids are so lucky to have you, man. I'm like, like you, I'm I'm glad that there's dads like you out there raising kids like you're raising. It's good, man. Like I'm grateful for you. And, um, so, yeah, we, I mean, we can, you and I could go grab a drink and talk about this for a while. These kind of things rattle me because um, right. I've been to these scenes, right? I've, I've shown up to these situations where there's still blood on the wall, where there's, I mean, where there's a mess. And um, it's these, I got a visceral response, as we all do, right? Uh, we all do. Yeah. And if you got little kids, it's 20 minutes down the road. It It's a whole other le- level, right? And then yeah. every, the whole thing's a mess, man. Um, so here's a couple of things that I keep in mind here. Okay. The first thing is this kids are looking for models of feelings because they have them. And they, when they, a lot of times adults want to, we, we want to put on a brave face. We want to show that we are strong. We want to show that we are unfazed, that we, the day is still going on. And the challenge with, I like that's, that's I get the, the sentiment there, but a kid feels terrified. And if he looks to the people that he trusts the most and sees, or, or she, he or she looks to the people they trust the most and they don't acknowledge sadness, terror, f- being scared or whatever, they feel crazy. Hmm. And the way a kid deals with feeling crazy is, you know, 50 different ways, but they will try to do what they can to nuzzle up next to their parents by like causing chaos, being bananas, uh, being perfect little angels. Whatever, those are all coping mechanisms to try to get back into relationship. So. One of the things I would do with your nine-year-old, and again, these is all, like my friend Rachel Cruz, she says, share, don't scare. All these yeah. are age-appropriate conversations. Um, but let's let's start with your nine-year-old. I would, if this is, happens in my house, I would take my nine-year-old and we'd go for a walk somewhere. And I would tell him, hey, or we get coffee, I'd look him in the eye, make sure he sees me and tell him, hey, you know this thing that happened? I'm really, really sad. And it makes me really scared that somebody would do this. And that sounds counterintuitive, but it's, it's freeing for a child. It makes them feel not insane. And then they get to see, hey, I'm scared and I'm still going to go take care of my body. I'm, I'm scared yeah. and I'm still going to hug mom. We're still going to go through our routine. And then they start to learn, oh, it's okay to have feelings and they don't control everything, Right. And yeah. so giving them that gap, letting him know I've, I've, I'm your dad and I'm a grown man. I got a, I got a PT practice. I'm crushing. I'm doing great. I'm tough and I get scared too. And it's okay to say there's, you know, there's, it, there's an uncertainty there that I want him to understand that you get. Um, when it comes to like, like a younger kid, they come home and they say, Hey, I was really brave today. I think it's good to ask one more question. Like, what were you brave from? Why did they make you go into that room? And to let them know. Yeah, somebody um, somebody did something bad today. They hurt some people. Um, somebody was sick and they made some really bad mistakes. And it's scary. Mom and dad were really scared and I'm glad that you're safe. And then hug the daylights out of them. And yeah. let them know, huh, mom and dad get scared. And, right, so we're teaching them these things. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't say, you know, a gunman went in and opened fire on a school. I, I wouldn't give that level <laughs> of detail to a four-year-old. But I would right. let them know, yeah, somebody was sick and they hurt a lot of people. And I was scared that you got hurt, but I'm so grateful that you're not hurt. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Um, the kids, kids are asking, am I crazy? Is, are my feelings normal? They're asking, am I safe? And that's what touch does for a kid. Like I'm here and presence does. And then yeah. they ask who's in control. And I think that's where 
you don't want to tell a nine-year-old like, yeah, this crap happens, man. Like, we're just going to have to roll with it. I mean, you don't want to pass that sort of chaos onto a nine-year-old. But there's something about um, I'm going to control what I can control, and I'm going to love you, and then we're all still going to go to bed in our own beds, right? Yeah. And yeah. it's okay to have a season where they come over home and, like, just for a couple of nights they're going to stay in our bed. I'm okay with that, man. I, it's just something yeah. that I, I'll never forget this. I'll tell you this. I'll never forget I was with my partner, and we were out at a scene. Um, oh man, it was gr- gruesome. It was a gruesome scene and it, it, it's happened one time and it was with a kid, a child. And I told my partner, I got to step out. And that's the cardinal sin. You never leave your partner. Her name is Janice. She's like, she was incredible. She, um, but she, I had a little girl and I stepped out of that situation. It was too close to home. It was a, it, the whole thing was a mess. Um, I helped on the outside and she took care of inside stuff. And I got home probably at 2 a.m., I think, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m. And I went in and woke up my kid. I mean, he was half asleep, but I went and woke him up and hugged him. And that wasn't for him. That was for me. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. okay. And there's probably some comfort in We've kid. done a fair amount of that. There you go. Houses. Right? Yeah. Um, I, want, I don't want your kids to think that um, their job is to prop you up. Right. All right? But I needed to hug my kid. I needed to make sure he was still breathing. I know that sounds bonkers um, until you've been in the middle of it, but I just, I needed to check in and that's okay. Now it's not his job, but I needed to check in. So um, as long as it doesn't become six months from now and they're still sleeping in your bed or four months from now, or three months from now, um, they need to know that the routine is important. That control is important. You get up and do the right thing every day. Um, and that mom and dad still love you, but we're going to move back to our beds. But I, I think a couple of nights of tethering in is going to be big. Um, how are you? Okay. It's scary. <laughs> not a lot of, yeah, we don't think about ourselves enough sometimes, I think. Um, but we, uh, I don't know. I'm doing, I'm doing okay. I think I stay busy a lot. Yeah. How's your wife? Um, I, I think overall it's been a really tough couple of weeks. Yeah. That's the reality. Yeah. So I would recommend you sit down with your wife and hold one or both of her hands and have a moment of vulnerability and just say, Hey, we got four little kids. How are we doing? This is hard. And sometimes those unspoken things, you get busy and you go back to work and she doesn't want to bother you with, she's terrified or you don't want to bother her with it. And you kind of get, you get that, you get that gap and that gap grows over time. And I think checking in with your spouse and saying, Hey, how are we? Like, how are you? I know this is heavy. And maybe she hasn't felt permission to cry yet, or she has cried a lot. And she doesn't want to do it again. Or maybe you haven't had permission just to go, man, this sucks. Um, but I do think it's important to check back in with each other. I think that would be good. Cool. Well, brother, I'm grateful for you, man. Thank you so much for being there with our kids. To everybody listening, we could do a whole show on this stuff, man. What an absolute disaster. What an absolute mess. Um... Your kids want to know, are their feelings okay? And the answer is yes. And the only way they can, they, you can't tell them that. You got to show them. You got to show them. Then they need to see what adults do, which is then they get up and they be about healing. And if this kind of stuff overwhelms you, call somebody. This isn't an excuse to go back and, you know, hit the pantry or go skip all your work. This is the time when you got to double down on taking care of your body, taking care of yourself, taking care of your relationships. Model that for our kids. Model that for the people that work for you. Model that for your spouse. And be gentle. What a mess, man. So call, brother. We'll be right back on the Dr. John Deloney Show. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. One of the most common questions I get on my show is how do you get something off your chest, right? Like a deep secret that you've never told anyone. Or maybe it's something that happened to you. Or maybe it's something you've done that you're ashamed about or worried because you know bringing this to light is going to cause disruption across your life. All of us, every single one of us, have things both big and small that we need to get off our chest from time to time. And I say this all the time, secrets will kill you. But it's often so hard to know where to start. If you need to get something off your chest and you don't have a safe person to talk to, you may want to try therapy. Therapy is a safe, effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say scary and hard things out loud, and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. 
I have personally been blessed to have a great therapist who I can talk to and who helps me get those heavy things off my chest. And if you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, it's convenient, it's super flexible, and it's suited to fit your schedule, whatever your schedule happens to be. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra money. Listen, it's time to get those secrets off your chest. Start with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. All right, next up, we're going to go out to the SLC in Salt Lake City. And this is a follow-up called Nessa. You wrote back. You called back. How are you? I'm in finals and off of a graveyard shift, so I'm surviving. <laughs> what, are you, what are you in finals for? Recreation therapy. Wow. So is this, what, what stage of the program are you in? I, uh, this is my second to last semester, and then I have internship, and then I'm in it. <laughs> Dude, Sister Nessa, you are so close, man. You're almost done. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Are you going to pass your finals? Oh, yeah. I have, like, A's in all my classes, but it's just a lot of paper writing, so I'm, I'm not gonna, too worried about I'm it. I'm just going to flex a little know. bit. I got, I got straight yeah, A's. you know. <laughs> Dude, way to go. That's awesome. All right, so. Thank you. Back in March, March of, mm-hmm. ni- March 19th, we had a show mm-hmm. that was all about COVID. Because why not, right? Nobody else was talking about it, so we figured we, we would go ahead and do it. <laughs> And you wrote in, here's your original email. Here's what you wrote. Mm-hmm. You said, all our in-law, uh, uh, our in-laws are taking our COVID precautions as a personal attack, and it's breaking down our relationship. When they are not willing to take responsibility for their own actions and will not take time to understand what our perspective is and why we are taking precautions to protect our baby. How do we navigate the damaged relationship? So you and your husband had boundaries. Your in-laws thought y'all were idiots and mm-hmm. then things went sideways and we chatted for a while and then you co- wrote back in. So, so tell me what's going on. What happened? How's it going? All the stuff. And <sighs> I, I, oh my gosh. And oh, <laughs> I, I don't fully know how this call goes. And so you may be calling to be like, I did what you said, you idiot. And uh, <laughs> way to go. And now I don't have a home or a family. Like, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to hear how this ends up. So tell me what, tell sure. me what happened. So uh, back in March, I was obviously in a really low spot. Uh, I was in a career, well, not even a career. I was in a stepping stone (laughs) job. It's not even a career. Um, Yeah, it was a stepping stone job that really was taking it out of me. Relationships were breaking down and uh, things got really, really bad. And it got to a certain point where, like, my in-laws weren't talking to me anymore. Everything was through my husband. Even if I reached out to them to make plans, they would reply back to my husband oh only. Oh, my gosh. They're four-year-olds. Four yeah, so, hold on. So, you, this mm-hmm. is after you said, hey, if y'all are going to come call. visit the, ba- the, the baby, here's how it's going to go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, basically, over the, gosh, it probably was about six months of just awful relationship stuff kind of I, I got really bad panic attacks let's just say that like, well yeah your family things, felt like it was coming apart well hey take take yeah. us back real quick take us back to the did you have a, a final boundaries conversation did you send a letter like what did you do how did, how did you come okay. to say this is the way this is gonna be because this is my house and my kid sure so and I where the heck was your husband in all this so he was, it's complicated because his relationship with his parents and even like all of his brother's relationship, the whole family dynamic, they don't talk. Uh. And so it was basically like, I know that you're hurting and I'm really sorry. Um, but if you talk to them about it, it's just going to stir the pot and make it way, way, way worse. We're, we're actually moving out of state in like a year. And so it was his way of trying to like, keep the peace before we uh, take off. Let's just ride it know? out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's let and this thing was, die slowly. Yeah. Exactly. And it was just really tough on me because uh, let me take you back a little bit further. So I grew up, um, and like with childhood, I had trichotillomania. I had to go to mm. a therapy to be able to even talk about my emotions or express myself. Yeah. And that is something that, I carried with me my whole entire life of something I held in very high regard 
of I'm able to communicate and that's a big part of all my relationships. So I felt like I regressed a lot um, into internalizing and bodily, um, bottling things up. And I was on like, I was really pissed off <laughs> and I was on a walk in the middle of the night, probably at like 2am just trying to calm my nerves. And I was just like, you know what? Enough's enough. I don't have anything else to lose. They need to know how this is affecting me because I'm sick. I'm yeah. just, I'm straight up sick and I'm tired and I'm working nights now. I'm a psych tech. So that's like a lot. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. You're working the graveyard shift school. at a, oh, at yeah. a psych hospital. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Get it, Nessa. <laughs> and my favorite units are like the high acuity, so it's a really oh, good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, but let me, let me ask you this. This is not why you're calling. You're calling to tell me like what's going on. Right. But, yeah, so. But I, oh, hold sorry, on. Go I, you're, we'll talk about that at the end. Is it okay if okay. I, like, if I, okay, we'll talk about this at the end. I, I don't want to derail you here, but. Okay, either way ahead. is fine. <laughs> okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, and so I. At that next night shift, I it was really quiet, and I just decided um, I, I listened to you guys a lot, or you a lot, and I was really thinking about the letter thing. And I was like, do I write them a letter? I feel like they're not really going to understand my intention because they just take things like so far out of context. They're children, yes. But I, <laughs> but I still wanted to like write stuff down just for like my own processing. Yeah, absolutely. So I basically spent like the whole 12 eight-hour shift drafting this like front and back 10-page essay <laughs> about how everything was affecting me and, mm. and how I mean I've been a part of their family for eight years and so all of the shift over the past two almost two years now was very devastating for me mm. and not something that I you know wanted to continue on with yeah and so I held on to that and I didn't talk to my husband about it. And I just kind of sat on that for a while. And I finally went to my husband. I'm like, hey, look, I know you don't want me to talk to your parents about this because it will stir the pot, but I'm unwell. I can't do this anymore. And I, they need to know. The worst that's going to happen is they continue to not talk to me and nothing really changes, but at least they know where I'm at. Yeah. And so I called them up. What did he say to that? And he just said, I trust you. Do what you need to do to be okay. And I'm like, and you don't have to be there. I can do this by myself, but I would like your support. You don't even have to say anything, but just to have you in the room to like have my back <laughs> type of thing. Um, hey, so I, I, I'm having like a visceral reaction to this. Mm -hmm. Is that okay? I didn't mean, I don't yeah, want to get, get in the middle of your marriage, but. That sounds like he's choosing peacekeeping in them over like his wife is ill. They are suffocating yeah, was, his wife and he's not stepping in to go, not on my watch, you're not doing that. Yeah, it was a weird time. It was a weird time. We it were sounds like weird divided. is a really, really kind way of saying it was an awful time. Yeah, yeah. Um, he just was afraid, you know, like yeah, they've but, never gotten that deep and even him... I mean, I, I understand his perspective. He's stuck between a rock and a hard place of trying to maintain a relationship with his parents with, you know. But they didn't want a relationship himself. with, they didn't want a relationship with y'all. Tell you what's less right. than a rock and a hard place. Sounds like. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation. I don't want to stir up. I don't yeah. want you to get off the phone and be like, hey, husband, <laughs> you suck. But no, I also. Oh, we worked a lot on that in the last couple months. So, um, all right, yeah, keep going. So, like, I'm, I, I don't know. So, I, I wish he was on the phone. Cause I'd be like, bro, you unacceptable. <laughs> unacceptable. It went on a little bit too long. We'll just say that <laughs> eight years too long, um, but go ahead. <laughs> so I, I called them and it was a very awkward phone call. And I was just like, hello, I would like to invite you over. I have some things that I need to get off of my heart and, I just need to talk with you guys face to face. Um, but at this point, they're seeing my husband and my son basically every single week. So all of that drama has kind of subsided. Things have kind of calmed down a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but I just like wasn't okay. Yeah. And so were they? Were they? Were they? They were they respecting the boundaries you'd set up? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. We kind of got past. I mean, most of that happened because my brother-in-law's baby got COVID, uh, and so okay. then they were like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> okay. 
So there's that. But okay. besides the point, um, and so they said, okay, we'll come over at this time. I had them come over when my son went to bed. So there was no like distraction of baby stuff and things like that. And it was really kind of ironic because they ended up showing up super like an hour and a half late and they would only, they were texting my husband about showing up late. And I was like, Oh, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Um, so they get there, uh, to my apartment and like we sit them, I have them sit down and I pull out my papers and I have my tea and I'm profusely sweating and super shaky and nervous. And I just, dude, you're a, you're a gangster, Nessa. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like people are like, no, dude, the house is on work. fire. I went in and grabbed the, you know, got the cat out, right? <laughs> no, dude, you stared down your in-laws and your cowardly yeah. husband just, I don't know, was he like, what was he, brushing his teeth or something? What was he doing? Like, I'm just no, going to go. He was, he was actually, he was actually sitting in between his parents. It was very interesting. They they kind of all just sat there and I was like, I have this beanbag and I just like put the beanbag in front of everybody. <laughs> and I was like, all right, we're about to have a conversation. <laughs> Would you like any water? <laughs> um, this is screwed and, up in so many ways, but go, go ahead. And so I basically censored because my letter that I wrote was very angry. Yeah. And, you know, profanity was used. So I, I skimmed through my <laughs> Maybe you didn't censor. Maybe, I, maybe you were wise, right? You filtered. Yeah. Not censored. Yeah. You filtered. And it's good for okay, all of us to do that. I'm filtering right now because I'm, I'm starting yes. to get raged out on your husband. But go ahead. I'm filtering. So. Um, and and hey, oh, so, he sat between his parents while you talked. Well, he he sat. Well, I mean, there was. Uh, it was. It's really not as bad as it sounds. He was. Because it very sounds supportive super and, bad. All right, go ahead. Go and, ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I, I, weird. I basically sent. I basically spent like thirty minutes straight talking, and that's the first time that they have never interrupted me or like stopped listening to what I had to say. Did he tell them what was so, coming? Did he like tip them off? No. Mm-mm. Nope. But I feel like I set the tone pretty well uh-huh. when I just like sat in front of them. And then I had like, you know, a whole novel in my hand. <laughs> I'm Dude, sure they you are hardcore. All right. So they, they didn't take it well. Actually they did. And I was extremely surprised. Okay. Like, so my mother-in-law, she, she speaks a lot, just like kind of without thought. And, um, and, and so does my father-in-law. They just say whatever's on their mind, regardless of how it might, you know, reality or facts or data. Yeah. There you go. And, and so then my father-in-law, it was a long pause for a really long time. And then my father-in-law was like, all right, honey, before we say anything, let's really think about this. Wow. And let's think about our responses. Look at they finally in the presence of a mature adult and they're like, ooh, I like the way this feels. <laughs> yeah. So they kind of spun some stuff back on me and I, I called them out on it. And uh-huh. I'm like, look, this is not okay. You know, X, Y, and Z, whatever, uh, all the stuff that was going on. And talked about like the text message that my father-in-law sent, which has like other stuff to do. He kind of lied about that, called him out on it. Yeah. And, um, so it was really just like, I'm like, I have nothing to lose at this point. You just need to know the truth about how your behaviors and how this relationship is affecting me. Nessa, so, yes, yes. Way to go. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, it felt really, 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 really good. <laughs> yes, but it sounds like you and weren't so, you weren't vindictive and you weren't a maniac no, and you weren't swearing and yelling not. and knocking. St- it sounds like you were an assassin. I was basically talking like at this tone and this yeah, case throughout dude. the whole thing, heaping burning coals. Like you thought this through, you felt your emotions, yes. you went and moved your body, you let them work yeah. through, you wrote it all down, and then you said, yeah. "Now it's time." Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yes. Dude, your husband doesn't deserve you. I don't even met you. That guy. Jeez. Uh, and so then at that, at a certain point, um, my husband, he, he did jump in and he started talking about his boundaries and how he felt um, with the things that they were saying to him about his parenting and him being like a father and stuff like that. <laughs> so after his wife went and hit the first guy and he yeah. fell down, he's like, yeah. And he ran in and kicked the guy yeah. on the ground. <laughs> Way to go. Yeah. 
so so we finished that conversation and like that was the tightest squeeze I've ever had from my father-in-law and he like kissed me on the forehead and they were all like thank you for talking with us and bringing us together and blah 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 blah. and uh, to be honest the relationship right now is still a little awkward we're trying to like rebuild and figure out like what that looks like now because it was just like just like it was just gone and you called them into a higher, a higher yeah. way of being. And now they got to learn how to level mm-hmm. up to you. They just got, they got, they got called out. They got held accountable to being an adult. Good Thanks. for you, man. Yeah, that's going to be a stumbly season for a yeah. while, but good but- for you. And is your husband walking around flexing <sighs> now? I, I can just see him like wearing a, like a vest with no <laughs> sleeves being like, yeah, well- what's up? This he kind of you know did what I mean? his brothers. He's like, check out what, you know, Nessa did. <laughs> They're like, what? What happened? What conversation happened? Everybody's super shocked because they just don't have conversations like that. But, you know, yeah. at a certain point, somebody's got to do it, you know? And so I'm just like, I need to start taking care of myself. And that's when I switched jobs and I started focusing on like my career and I was really absorbing everything from my school and like using like therapeutic communication and like trying to make sure. What? Let's lit. Yes. Okay. But look at, look at Mm -hmm. the progression. You had some childhood Mm -hmm. trauma and you went to work. Yeah. And it was hard. And then you began over time to redeem that childhood trauma. And most of us just, those we carry those bricks in our backpack. We listen to those stories we were born into, those stories we were told, and it becomes our destiny. And you said, I'm not going to carry this stuff forever. So you worked on it as a kid, probably just to breathe, just yeah. to function. Mm-hmm. Fair? And as you became an adult, you, those, some of those bricks start showing back up in your backpack because we just live how our parents lived. And then you got married to a middle schooler. I don't want to talk bad about your husband, but come on. And so, uh, he hadn't quite broken up with mommy yet when y'all got married and then y'all are together and together and together. And then you came to a point and said, I'm going to process these feelings. I'm going to look at these bricks. I'm going to demand evidence from them. I'm going to set this crap down because I got to be about living my life. And here's what you did. You're so brave and you had a hard conversation face to face, like an assassin. And then, you know, what you've done, you've changed the entire family mm-hmm. structure. Now his brothers are going to live a bit, a little bit different. They're going to live mm-hmm. differently. His parents are going to live differently. He's going to live. You changed the whole family system. Yeah. Yeah. It felt really good. <laughs> wow. It just really opened up like a lot of communication between everybody. And I hear, you know, conversations between, because, you know, my husband was fighting with his brother and fighting with his parents. And I hear the conversations of, like setting boundaries and, you know, they're over the phone and they're like, actually, you know, we're not going to do this X, Y, and Z now. And they're like, okay, well, we'll see you when we see you or it sounds good. Like, let us know what the plan is or whatever. Yeah. No, nobody wants a piece of Nessa anymore. (laughs) Like, dude, I'm going to have Nessa call you. (laughs) Dude. And then, and then when you begin redeeming these stories, man, you started walking on these bricks and now you're like, and by the way, I don't have to work in this crappy job. I don't have to. I don't have to be a slave yep. to my feelings. I don't have to. I, I can go to. I can go to grad school, dude. Everything yeah. is changing. Yeah. You're so freaking brave, dude. I Way really appreciate go. it. Well, and a, a lot of that, you know, when I called back in March, I was like in crisis mode. I was trying to get counseling through school, and they kept like not responding. And I was just like, "Is the wait list eight uh, years?" I need yeah. to talk to somebody. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. And I think that, you know, it re- you went so low as to call a dude on the radio, <laughs> like on the pod, on the podcast. That's how desperate you <laughs> it was were. Pretty desperate, but I, I appreciate it. And, and yeah. you know, I really, a lot of the way that I navigate through things, through learning like stuff through rec therapy. Um, and then also just watching your show, like a lot of stuff really aligns with just how important authenticity is and communication and just being vulnerable regardless of what other people are going to think because you need to be true to yourself. And I, I, for basically a year and a half, almost two years, I lost myself. Yeah. I didn't know I was, I was just sick. I wasn't in my right mind. So Dude. I needed to get back to that place. Man, you, you're inspiring me. And I know you inspired that knucklehead husband of yours <laughs> and you inspired a whole family. You're inspired all people listening. Dude. 
Thank you for your bravery and for your courage. And dude, I'm, I'm, I, these are the calls, right? They just go into, they go into the ether and I never know what happens. And so I'm so grateful that you wrote back and you call back and let's, let's be super clear. You could have had that conversation and your parent, your in-laws looked at your husband and they said, until she's gone, we're out of here and got up and left. Mm-hmm. That could have happened. And I was, you, I went in with absolutely zero expectations. I'm like, what's the worst that could happen? This could have cost know. you We're everything. We're already at rock bottom. There, yes, yes. What, <laughs> like, and now what? Here we are, and now what? And you went mm-hmm. for it. Nessa, mm-hmm. thanks for being awesome. An absolute, dude, I, I'm not going to fight you. I don't, I don't know if we we're ever going to fight anyway, but I'm not messing with you. That's incredible. <laughs> absolutely. You're Thank a you. gift. You're a gift to your kids, to your family. To all our listeners, thank you so much for calling back. Thanks for being brave. Man, I could just I could just sit here and talk to you all day. You're awesome. Wow. Listen, if you're listening, you can. You can. I don't even know what it is, but you can. And usually one choice. I'm going for a walk at 2 a.m. I'm going for a walk. I'm going to start writing this stuff down. I'm going to write it down, and I'm going to plan it all out. I'm going to vomit it up like she said. Swear words, anger, threats of arson, whatever it all is. I'm going to write it all down. I'm going to sleep on it. I'm going to distill what I wrote down, what I vomited up into some points. And then I'm going to look somebody in the eye and say, this is the way this is going to be from this point forward. Because you're worth it. You only get one tiny, precious little life. You only get one. Be like Nessa. That's the new t-shirt, everybody. Be like Nessa. We'll be right back on the Dr. John Deloney Show. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, I'm still buzzing from that last call. That lady, that Ness is awesome. All right, let's go to Carmen in Seattle, Washington, home of Allison Chains. What's up, Carmen? Hi. How are you? I'm well. How about yourself? <laughs> well, too. Well, too. Hey, is the grunge scene coming back? Are we going to do this again or no? Man, yes. My 14-year-old, no joke, was wearing a flannel, high-waisted, like, <laughs> mom jeans. They were the pipe jeans. Do you remember those? Yeah, dude, Pearl Jam jeans. Yes. Yeah. Oh. It would ever go away. I don't know. Not the suicide part, no. but the style <laughs> part is fine. Like a true Seattleite, you took this thing real dark real fast, so well done. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'll my- ne- hey, hold on. I'll never forget. I think it was, I think it was like an interview with Vince Neal or something, the lead singer of Motley Crue or one of those. And he said something along the lines of everybody's life is terrible. That's why we sing about like parties and craziness. Like, cause all of our lives are awful. So we sing about this and he's like, I don't understand why everyone in Seattle just wants to sing about how bad everything is. And I thought, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. And then I talked to a Seattleite today. And I was like, yeah, things are great, but that could get worse. <laughs> so way to go. Way yeah, to go. dude. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. Awesome. That's funny. All right. So what's up? How can I help? Um, okay. So should we tell our teenage daughter that her dad lost his faith and is now an atheist? Ooh. Okay. Tell me about it. What's the journey been like? My husband is a gift to me. He's like every answered prayer from my youth. Okay. And I had a hard childhood. Yep. I'm a seven on the ace of scale or whatever. Ooh, hold on we, for that for hold on for just a second. Whoa. Right? <laughs> Whose isn't? I don't know. <laughs> Most. Seven is high. That's yeah. a hard, hard childhood. Not if you ask the parents. <laughs> <laughs> that's why that's why in the ACE scale or any sort of trauma scale, it's not so what's your parents' interpretation of Yeah, <laughs> That's not a question. Right? Um, how'd you meet this guy? Stupid. It's like, I'm telling you, it's ridiculous. This guy was, I was on the worship team at church as a kid. Mm-hmm. He's quite a bit older than I am. And 
he, oh, all like one day there was like this new worship leader and I was like, oh, okay, that's weird. Um, well, it turns out that this guy had just come back from a training for, it was like basically a two-year mission where he went to get his pastoral license. Okay. And super devoted, sort of obnoxiously, so guy. But then we <laughs> fell him up. Oh, gross. All right. Fine. I know. Did he have, did, was he one of those worship leaders that has like tight acid wash sparkly jeans? Like with the bejeweled jeans? Please say yes. That would never, ever, <laughs> ever. He would never, ever. Hey, that's all I needed to know. Good. So you married well. All right, good. All yeah. Right. <laughs> so, all right, cool. So you, you are like singing background vocals in like the church. Yeah. And you're just like repeating the same line over and over and over again, like worship music does. And you look over and you you see this guy and you're like, he's not wearing bejeweled pants. I think, I think I'm in. Okay. So so funny actually is this is so funny. So, and we've been married for almost, almost 16 years, 16 or 17 years. I'm not sure. Long time. And we're best friends. We have very good open communication with each other. Cool. We make fun of each other every day. Um, and also support each other. Blah. Anyway, so we had been married for like six months and I was pregnant and it was really, it was kind of a tumultuous, tumultuous, <laughs> rocky, <laughs> you know crappy, rocky, um, yeah, first start to the pregnancy. Then our daughter was 11 months old and we were driving to a birthday party on like a Saturday. And I said, you know, we were having some sort of, I don't know, mundane conversation. And I, and he said something that triggered me to ask him, well, like, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, and we're all sinners. And he was like, I, I actually don't think that. Hmm. And I, my, my, my response to him, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I don't know if you're into that. And, uh, you got lots of response, numbers running your life. Good. Continue. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he said, I don't, I don't. My, oh, my response to him was, um, well, that's, that's a lie. You've said, you've said differently for the last, you know, I've known you for five years. Like that's not at that point. Right. That doesn't sound accurate. And that was kind of like the Pandora's box. Gotcha. Um, so has it taken 16 years for that to slowly, or is he just, no. So he told me that within the first year of marriage, Okay. our daughter was 11 months old at the time. Mm -hmm. Now that 11-month-old daughter is, you know, 14 and three quarters, and she's wonderful, but he he feels quite a bit of cognitive dissonance about his honesty level with the kids. Like, we've always kind of been big into, we've never been into Santa. Like, we don't, I just don't want to lie. It's great to, you know, have a Santa on a Christmas bag or whatever. But no, actually, Grandma and Grandpa worked really hard, and that's where the gift came from. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. All right. Um, Very Seattle of you. Very, very. (laughs) (laughs) And. Why have joy and sparkles when we can have gray sadness and I know. Uh, No. Hey, I man, I wore thing. shorts and tights with Doc Martens back in the day, too. We've all been there, right? I've had a Dude. flannel shirt around my waist as well. And okay, I love Chris so Cornell. I actually thought that, like, Birkenstocks and wool socks together was, like, a, <laughs> like a universally accepted thing. It's, 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 it's actually, a, it's in the DSM. It's a, it's a psychological disorder, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> it's cool. All right, so <laughs> in your home, Functional. you've got a wonderful guy. You'll love him. He's your best yeah. friend. Um, oh my gosh! And yeah. he he has um, journeyed away from his his faith, or he's just on a yeah. different different path. For a cheesy yeah. way to say that, and does he still? No, he's an atheist. Like that's he's what, an atheist. That's what I mean. and, so, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but does, does like, he still saddle up and go to church with you all every week? Do you, are you still in, in, in part of your faith community? How are you raising your kids? How's that all working together? Uh, well. I, I deal in contracts for a living. Mm-hmm. So I had him sign a contract. Oh, God almighty. 
Holy smokes. No, and he was super on board because he actually, when when it all kind of came out to his family, who is, I always say, like, they're like the real Christians. You Like, they fight in a healthy way, mm-hmm. you know, and um, try to live by being kind to people. When that all came out to the family, he was very, I would say, heartbroken um, because he was like, honestly, I never wanted my parents to know. They're in their 80s. You know, like, I don't want to cause any distress. His dad is a past, was the pastor of that church, yeah. right? So, so you, so let me get, you made him tell his parents? No. Oh, okay. His okay. sister manipulated him into it. Oh, geez. I know. All right, so here, this whole thing, like, so you, you may have heard me say this, and I got this from Dr. Brene Brown. Like, shame eats secrets for breakfast is the way she says it. Yeah, I know. And the more secrets a family has, the more dysfunction there is, and the more pathology is there is, and then like you literally live less long, like your body just For eats sure. itself, right? And I've actually seen that uh-huh. in real life. Like I saw this woman; she was a client. I swear she died from bitterness. You Ab- know, her organs are shutting down. Absolutely, like forty-five. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You, yes, your body just says, "I'm out." They, they call it long tail suicide. Like your body just begins yeah. to grind itself to a halt. It can't handle that much stress. Those many stress hormones. But I'll also say this: we also, and and this is like towards answering your question. We also, when we have these epiphanies, these awakenings, I do faith differently than my parents did. Yeah. Now, I grew up with parents who were very much, go find it on your own. Mm. Very much so. And we'll disagree and have conversations, but I, I grew up with that kind of support system, so I get that. But I, it and looks that's, very that's different. that's basically been what we've done Okay. with our kids. But listen, sometimes when we have an epiphany about faith or about COVID or about relationships or about whatever— yeah. We feel burdened by it, and we feel like we've got to announce it to everybody. You know who the worst people are? Crossfitters and diet people. Like, oh. <laughs> I discovered this new gym. It's And we just proselytize everybody about your dumb new gym yeah. or your weird diet. Congratulations. Yeah. I'm glad this works for you. I, I'm not into yeah. Tupperware or essential oils or whatever the thing is. Yeah. And so we feel like we got to tell everybody, and it's not about them. It's about mm. us. Yes. And Thank we you. have to be okay. And, and when somebody feels like, I'm going to go tell my 80-year-old parents. Yes. I'm going to break their hearts so I can get this, so I can live authentic. Shut up. Yes. You, you know what Thank I mean? Thank you. Keep and your- this isn't even yours, Kristen. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I love you like getting after your, your, your sister. So, you know what I mean? It's, it's both and. Yeah. If my dad of sure. 80 asked me, hey, how's your faith? And be like, hey, man, it's been a— but 80 is very different than 14, you know? So way, I have yeah. compassion for his, yes. like, struggle with this. Because we—I, you know, I, it's starting to feel like we're being dishonest. Yeah, technically we never lied to you. No, 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 no. It feels yeah, like I, we're being dishonest. Yes, yeah, so— But for, we're not. So does he—so like, just brass tacks, does he get up and— put on his non-sparkly jeans every Sunday? And does he still lead worship at a church? Does he— does he go with y'all every week and sing along and play along? And does he do that with y'all every week? So he has not led worship in that actually. So it came, all this came out on a Saturday. That next day, Sunday, was his last day of leading worship. So he hasn't led worship in 14 and a half years, something like that. So he's a man, of, do, he's a man of integrity. He's a man of integrity. Like we joined Trail Life. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's a, no idea. It's a Christ-centered scouting group for young men. And then there's a woman's one. And Jesus he, in the woods, baby. Yeah, <laughs> Might right. As well. yeah. And he did not. It wasn't even a question on whether or not he was going to sign that statement of faith. Gotcha. You know. So they actually ended up writing. They know us because mm-hmm. they know him. He did a background check on him. All the things. They know us. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's not willing. He's not going to sign something that says he's not going to lie about his character. That's not true. There you go. Yeah. Because yeah. signing that thing to, to prove he has character would mean he didn't have character. Exactly, <laughs> right? exactly. Yeah. It's like, mm, no. So, so. So here's the thing with my daughter. It seems like if we told her, mm-hmm. and we've gotten mixed counsel on this. So it seems to me that if we were to tell her, and then there's a 12-year-old coming up right behind her, mm-hmm. that, that all these things, then they're going to. It would be like us putting like their our brick in their backpack. I don't feel that this is something we're not even completely. So here, here's the brick that you're putting in their backpack. 
the brick you're putting in their backpack is they absorb the cognitive dissonance. Yeah. They yeah, breathe it. True. And they think at some level it's them. So, the, okay, another little twist. He actually, my husband, my husband knows biblical, like, he knows the Bible. He yeah. knows like a couple different, you know, da 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 like the Latin, yada, yada. And so, you know, we'll be having a discussion and he's able to contribute. And he's, he's performing. And he's, but, and that's sort of how, yeah. And he's a last, right? And so yeah. he, that was how he got attention, whatever. So, well, so here's the deal. I think a honest conversation with your 14 year old is fair in a yeah, non, like- non dumping his stuff onto her. Because here's where it sounds like. Mm. You tell me if I'm wrong. I'll go to task with anybody. Has a church hurt a bajillion people? Yep. Oh. And yeah. do they continue to take care of people all across the world? Absolutely. Yeah. And so he sounds like a guy who has lost the sensational parts of the story, the hard parts of the story, but has kept mm-hmm. the practice, is still yeah. a person of character and dignity. Does that make sense? Yes. And Chain it. Yes. Train a child in the way they should go, and they will not depart from it when they're older. And I'm like, it doesn't say that they're going to be saved. (laughs) So listen, I think it is he is going to be able to have this conversation without burning the whole thing to the ground. For sure. Oh, dang it, dang it! And he's on the wrong side. (laughs) Oh, is y'all competing? No, I'm always competing. Everything is a competition. Dude, I'm just a dude on the on the podcast. Take my my this advice is free. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're, you're getting what you pay for here. But listen. Okay. Here's where I'm, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna come after you in a second. Are you ready? Yeah. Well, let me do this. So, I think it's worth a a conversation of truth. Yeah. To say, hey, I believe in these principles. I believe in the like. Here, I'm not gonna put words in his mouth. Here's what yeah, I do yeah, believe. Yeah. And yeah, here's where over the last like, yeah. 15 years. I've been been on a path, and here's where I am right now. Yeah. And I will tell you, I had long seasons of, of being a full-blown atheist. I believe none of this nonsense of my particular mm-hmm. faith. None of it. thought it was insane. And Higher education's fault. I'm just joking. It's, it's super not. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but um, then I had a set of experiences being with people who'd lost people in the middle, like dealing with some dark, dark trauma. Yeah. And it, I got a different picture and a new picture. So what I would tell you is who knows what two years from now looks like in five years and 10 years from now looks like, who knows what I would tell you is I think being honest about the path with his daughter is important because then she goes, Oh, and if he says, this is hard. And yeah. I loved the comfort of, like, being honest about yeah. his path, hiding that journey from your daughter is, she's just going to internalize it. Mm. Because she know she doesn't know that dad's on contract with mom, but she knows. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Dang it, I never thought of it that way. She does. Every morning yeah. from the way he huffs, the way he doesn't quite, you know, he sits quietly in the back. He doesn't pick up the book. He knows. No. Or, I mean, she this knows. This fool plays worship music and family gatherings when we ask him to. Okay. When we ask him to. And there yes. will come a moment when she's like, man, every time you get in the car, you put on Motley Crue. What? You know what I mean? She'll ask those yes. questions. She'll know. Just like Kelly's kids ask those questions. Right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I've forced my husband to perform. Correct. Yes, and there's yeah. gonna that dig, that that dissonance is all is is becoming expressed in your kid's DNA. All right. See how much he loves me. He's so great. <laughs> uh, okay, and so here here's what's here's what I don't think has happened. Mm. I don't think you've made peace yet. No, and you I, no, absolutely not, Carmen. I'm you're pissed. hanging on to a fantasy. You're hanging on to a myth. I'm not hanging on to a fantasy. So we agreed to before we got married. <laughs> no, no, no. I hear you. But you are trying to duct tape together a picture mm. of a family that all goes mm. to church together and all does the little whatever. I don't even know. It goes to trailblazer, yeah, Jesus, thing. Jesus in the woods together. We all do all these things <laughs> together. And you, yeah. you, you trying so hard to keep this picture together. He's on contract. <laughs> He's on contract. Mm. Right. 
You are so invested in this picture and it's not real. And you've got to exhale. I am married to and I love an extraordinary man who also fill in the blank. And I don't think you've made peace with that yet. That part of him. Right. And that's a part of him. Yeah. It's both and. And when you make peace with that and you show your daughter, yeah, as I, this isn't the guy I married, but he changed. And yeah, he's still a guy who shows up and he's still a person of character yeah. and I still love him and he still loves you. This is what fidelity looks like. This is what marriage yeah. looks like. You want to talk about giving her gifts? You can talk about her not picking up bricks. She's, she knows what love looks like. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. right now, by not having that conversation, you're, 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 you're taking that opportunity from her. So there's an incredible, I think it's by mm. Poe Bronson. Um, it's been a couple years since I read it. It's called Nurture Shock. One of the things I remember from that book uh, that is years ago, and we'll link to it in the show notes. It's a, it, what I remember was it was a phenomenal book. I remember closing it going, whoa. But he says that a lot of parents, our generation of parents, were told don't fight in front of the kids. If mm. you have disagreements in front of the kids, you're going to freak them out, you're going to scare them, and you're going to think their world's coming apart. Yes. And so what parents yes. did was they went in the back bedroom and fought. And then yeah. they came out a united front or whatever. Right. Somebody won, somebody lost, whatever. Or a very ununited yeah. front that was a silent front. How about that? And what Bronson points out is we stole from our children how a picture fight. of how two people love each other and disagree yeah. and then still make dinner together. Right. And now we have a world where if we have a disagreement, we think, oh, that's it. We're out of love. And then we break up and move Mm. on. Or we go post crap about each other. Or we can't get it. I mean, I think this has rippled through our culture politically, dietary, through everything. And so by saying, yeah, me and your dad, man, it it made me sad. Because I still believe in my faith with all of my heart. And... But we do have, we do believe in principles, and she'll ask right. natural questions like, well, is, "What if Dad decides he doesn't love me?" And those are no. hard. Yeah. I know, but mm. those are hard things that a fourteen-year-old yeah. asks. What if Dad? Well, because yeah, yeah. What no, if I he decides he doesn't go. love you? Then right. your daughter gets a ringside seat to love as a risk, yeah. and then he gets to look at her and I say, "I will never leave you." Yeah, you know what I mean. And so these yeah. are hard. These are real, and they are gritty. But I, I will always go to a foundation tent, foundational tenet of my life is never lie to your kids. And right now, y'all are lying to your kids. Mm, I'm not lying. I'm just not telling the whole truth. <laughs> yes, that's true. Right? And I, I say that I'm being direct with you, but we're, you're my yeah. friend. Um, I don't mean we don't have time. Exactly. <laughs> um, show her that you and your husband are still connected and married yeah. and in love and you have different faiths. One faith, no faith. Let her know that cognitive dissonance is y'all's, not hers. Right. And she may ask questions and say, mm, yeah, this is where I it's land. It's ours really. and not hers. So instead of, okay, so the way I've been thinking about it is like we're putting our brick in her backpack. No. But really it's, it's you know, taking that brick out of her backpack and saying, identifying it and saying, this is what it is. You know, you probably have felt things. Yeah. Do you have any questions? Yep. Or she might say, yeah. how could dad have played the charade for so long? She feels betrayed. Pop- Absolutely. Yeah. She should feel betrayed. Heck yeah. You know what I mean? And not yep. in a, no, no, yeah, no in a I serious know. way. She should feel betrayed. And that's okay. Because you're saying, like, exactly. you can't fix the last 14 years. You can just go forward now. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still think it's good for, um, I think the data plays out. Go to church. They even have atheist church popping up. People get together and sing together and they show up once a week and they, it's almost like a how to do community. The the practice is important. It's been going on for thousands of years. So I still yeah. think he goes to church with you. If he was on the phone, and I was talking to him. I'd say, dude, I think you still go. I think you still, there's high, high value. I think you still give. I think you still serve. I think you right. still participate. I really, really do. I feel strongly about that. What kept me alive as a person was in my seasons of doubt. I kept going. Mm-hmm. I kept going. Mm-hmm. And some of it was just to keep the peace in my home. Some of it was yeah. I had a job 
We're at like a faith-based yeah. organization. I had to, you know what I mean? But you just keep going and you keep going. Just like there's seasons when I don't want to work out and you just get up and do it anyway. And there's mm. seasons when, man, one more drink would be awesome and you don't. Or a donut mm. would be awesome and you don't. You, just, oh, you, you don't? I mean, sometimes donuts are so good. Come on. Yeah. What? But but listen, listen, now you got me mean. thinking about donuts and, and, and <laughs> when that happens, it's off. You said it. But I think you keep going with the practice because the practice is right. Yeah. The practice is good. And I would really encourage you two to sit down because you, you haven't come to terms with this yet for 14 no, and years. I was, chi- I was a child. I was 18 years old. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, how much frontal lobe <laughs> development have you had at 21? It's like, Not you know lot. what I mean? Anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. But here we are. So, and so we can't go backwards. We can only yeah. go forwards. And I would well, ex- and I don't think it's going to be appropriate for her to tell to tell her brothers. This is not a Santa, you know. It's absolutely, you know. This is, and we actually have a phrase in our family that's like, "This is family business." That means you don't talk about it with anybody but us. Well, right? Yes, but you got to be careful about that because I know it turns into a yeah that gets gnarly, right? Right. It's like keeping a secret. Mm, that's true. That's right. And so I, I don't want yeah to be, be careful with that type of language, mm. but you can't let them know. This is dad talking privately, and I'm going to ask you to mm-hmm. not um, not tell people. Oh, that's a good phrase. But this is my story, and I want to share my story with you. Mm. And my story is not your story, and your mommy Ew, believes— though, do I share my story with her, absolutely too? Absolutely, yes. What? Absolutely, yes. Now, the details of all seven aces, probably not. Right. But she's going to feel it. Because there's mm-hmm. going to be moments when she's 14, 15, and 16 that your body remembers what you went through. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It remembers. And so yeah. that gap you feel, that, uh-uh, you're not, that, nope, or that guy's going to show up to the house, and you're going to be like, you get that guy at it. You know what I mean? Those kind of yeah. things will happen, and she's going to think it it's It already happened. I know. <laughs> and she's going to think it's her. Mm. And I oh, want her know to know. She actually says, why don't you trust me? Like, what have I done? to show you that you can't trust me. And I'm like, it's not about you. It's about other people, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's I, totally I, about I, me. And he's, and my husband says that. I think it's time. I just think it's time. I mean, you're y'all going to blow up your 14 year old girl's little, little precious world. Um, oh my goodness. She has a therapy. She goes to, she has a therapist. She goes to, well, Mary, yeah, here we go. Here, right. But <laughs> I think, I think a season of honesty and truth telling and storytelling is, is important and letting mm. her know she's got her story. And I'll, I'll end this call with this. Um, I, I think I may have talked about this on this show. Um, I was at an event and doing a Q and a, there's about a thousand people out there. Somebody came up and said, I realize I've put a lot of bricks in my kid's backpack. How do I help them get it out? And I told him you can't when a brick pick, Brick goes into somebody's backpack, whether it's trauma, whether it's a story they were told, whether it was a story they were born into about faith or religion or exercise or how we eat, whatever the story is about what you're worth, what men and women do, all this stuff. Once a brick goes in their backpack, that's their journey. That's their adventure. Once it's in, it doesn't, it doesn't come in. I mean, it doesn't, you, you're not getting it out. That's their job. That's their adventure. So the goal for a parent is to put as few bricks in a kid's backpack because the world's going to dump a bunch of them in there. A bunch. And kids are going to do stupid stuff. All adults, we're going to do dumb things. We're going to not tell our kids a story for 14 years and now we're going to have to do it. That's her adventure now. That's her adventure. She will come to see both of you as, man, that was hard. I was honest. And y'all were two kids figuring out life and I'm great. Fill in the blank. And there will be some pain there. That's part of being a parent and part of having kids. But once the brick goes in, that's theirs. And so how few bricks can we put in our kid's backpack? That's, that ends up being the journey. But Carmen, I'm grateful for the call. Man, it's awesome to talk to a woman who's married to a great guy, loves her husband, has got great kids, and is working hard to do right by her kids. And by the way, you're redeeming your childhood. You went through hell, and you are doing the redemptive work. And you've got the scars to prove it. And your daughter's going to have a different life because of the work you and your husband put in. And I'm grateful for you. That's awesome. It's awesome. All right. As we wrap up today's show, what do you think, James? Do we want to do a, a classic or a guy letting his feelings be known with an acoustic guitar? Let's go classic. I don't even know what record this is on. This is not so classic. But it's by the one and only Annie Lennox. Walking on broken glass. 
goes like this. That's that wasn't the melody at all, really. Kind of whiffed it. Annie Lennox, songs walking on broken glass. This is a callback to the other day when Kelly smashed my picture of my childhood friends in rage and anger and maybe a little bit of alcoholism. Goes like this. Walking on broken glass. You were the sweetest thing that I ever knew, but I don't care for sugary honey if I can't have you. Since you abandoned me, my whole life has crashed. Won't you pick up the pieces? Won't you pick the pieces up? Because it feels just like I'm walking on broken glass, Kelly. Walking on broken glass. The sun's still shining in the big blue sky, but it don't mean nothing to me. Let the rain come down. Let the wind blow through me. I'm living in an empty room. Dude, this song got dark. Kelly, with all the windows smashed and I've got so little left to lose, it feels like I'm walking on broken glass. Just like working on the Dr. John Deloney show. We'll see you all soon. Take care. Take care.